1: i don't want to embarrass her but she Mm -hmm. once tried to come into our room with a butcher knife we had locked her out because we were trying this other thing the doctor said why don't you lock your door and see what happens and she decided that she was going to carve her way into the room
2: i i know that you are now my person Hmm. because we have gone through the hard things right and i'm
0: still choosing you when you're in a slump most couples think about how can i just step on the gas and get us together so we can have sex again but instead i want for you to think about what are all the things that are reinforcing your foot on the brake
2: hello everybody this is humble and hungry and i'm your friend natalie Pouchet. welcome back um, first of all, I just want to say thank you guys so much for the outpour of love on last week's episodes. Um, I appreciate all of you and um, just thank you for your kind words. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry. I'm not going to stop podcasting. Um, but I think it's it's so important to be vulnerable and honest and real because, you know, just the illusion that people are always great or always happy or, you know, always. Just crushing it and, and hustling and whatever. It's like it's such bullshit. I think sometimes people really do. Um, just you know, we're all going through. We all, all we all go through the same sort of ebbs and flows in life. And so I like to always be honest with you guys. And so when I'm having a rough time or a rough patch, I'm I'm gonna tell you guys. I'm not gonna act like nothing's going on. So um, I appreciate all of you guys just being there. And you know going through it with me. Um, So thank you for that. But moving right along, I have a very exciting, fun, fun show for you guys today. Uh, I have expert relationship therapist, um, Laura Heck and Zach Brittle. And each of them individually are incredibly successful in their own right. Um, They have been doing this for many, many years. So a little background. Sorry, Andy, you can just cut that together. So a little background. Um, Zach Brittle uh, has been teaching, coaching, mentoring, and counseling couples for nearly 20 years. He's a licensed mental health counselor and specializes in evidence-based couples therapy based on over 40 years of marital research. He's also the founder and co-host of Marriage Therapy Radio. Uh, and creator of Your Marriage Masterclass and the author of the best-selling Relationship Guide, The Relationship Alphabet, and The Marriage Therapy Journal. Uh, And then his co-host is Laura Heck. And Laura is um, also, again, the co-host of Marriage Therapy Radio and host of The Seven principles for making marriage work workshop for couples. She coaches women through Epic Wives Experiment, speaks and trains for the Gottman Institute, and is a regular media expert on the topic of intimate relationships. She's a sex expert. And we are going to dive deep into relationships, marriage. Um, You asked so many questions. I did a QA and a on Instagram. You guys asked a bunch of questions and we are just going to dive straight into it. Um, we have a lot of fun. It's probably one of my favorite episodes thus far. They're just super knowledgeable and sort of tell you how it is. Um, they don't sugarcoat anything. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Please welcome my my, I'm so excited about these guests, um, Zach Brittle and Laura Heck. Hello. How's it
1: going, Hi. How are you guys?
2: Good. Um, Good. Thank you, guys, for being here. That's so funny. Yeah, we have no idea. I normally like to just kind of talk freely and not have anything planned. I feel like sometimes those are the mm-hmm. best conversations. Um, yeah. So I, I, I gave everyone sort of a, a highlight reel of what you guys do. That you guys have been married for years. You guys are experts in your field, but can you mm-hmm. guys give me a little bit more information on you guys?
1: We have been well, married for years, but not to each other. Um, yes. No,
0: no, no, not to each other. I know separately. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I made that very, very clear.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. It's
0: a bit more like a brother-sister relationship. You might see that come out from time to time. Although we're not really clear on who the older or younger sibling is. That's
1: okay. Although Laura likes to remind me I'm much older. So. Yes.
0: Yes. By you years. you As you should. <laughs> mm-hmm. Professionally, we're both marriage and family therapists and, um, sex therapist and I'm what else sex are we therapist. doing?
1: You're a sex therapist. I am. Therapist. Yeah. That's
0: right. You're an author, which I am not. That's true. Um, so you're a really great writer, but I, I would say that's just such a small chunk of what we do. You, I mean, we're both parents. So I have, and I don't know, Natalie, if you have children, but I have an eight year old Zach, you have
1: 16 and 20,
0: many, many women in your life.
1: Yeah. I have two daughters, 16 oh, and 20. So- So
2: you're surrounded by women. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there
1: used to be this whole thing where my wife would say something to me like, oh, I feel like I have three children. And at this point, Mm -hmm. it's more like, I feel like I have three wives.
0: Mm -hmm. So,
1: and then (laughs) you
0: lucky duck.
1: And then add Laura, who's like my work wife, kind of. And, um, so yes, I'm surrounded by the whole. Some bit. men
0: wouldn't be I, upset
2: by that. <laughs> I
1: get to practice a lot of my mm-hmm. relational relational skill set. So,
2: yeah, I love yeah. it. I have a three year old.
0: I you know I feel like three is such a fun age because at that point, fingers crossed, they're potty trained, they can communicate, they're sleeping in their own bed, maybe. Man, uh, it's really hard. Is it? You're <laughs> Which, like, by Laura, the way, she's
2: doing no. all of those things, but yet uh-huh. for me, I feel like this is. I, and I'm sure I'm going to look back and say, "Oh, I miss that age." But right mm-hmm. now, I, like I'm ready for the next phase.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's
2: just she's sassy and she's uh, very opinionated and you know just honest and mm-hmm. you know just a lot of yeah. a lot of
0: probably me um yeah
1: (laughs) i was like like, those all sound like
0: amazing qualities you're raising a sweet little girl
2: yeah no i'm i'm sure she'll be great when she's you know in her 20s but right now it's like
0: (laughs) gotta reel her in sometimes
2: you know i'm not
1: sure though man i got one that's 20. she you guys she didn't sleep through the night for five years five years Mm -hmm. and so but she called us from college last night it was ten o'clock our time, which makes it midnight for her, and she was like, "Can you guys just talk me to sleep? Can you help me like fall asleep?" Aww, and I was like,
2: did oh Did you man. really? So I don't know when they figured did- out.
1: We're still trying to figure it out. I'm almost fifty, and you know. So.
2: <laughs> did she up? Uh, did she come into your room like sleep with you guys?
1: Uh, I, I have so many stories of her. <laughs> I, um, I don't want to embarrass her, but she once. Mm-hmm tried to come into our room with a butcher knife like we had locked her out because we were trying this other thing the doctor said why don't you lock your door and see what happens and she decided that she was going to carve her way into the room she
0: is a smart resourceful human being yeah we were
1: like "Mm, sorry babe nope this is not the solution that we're looking for (laughs) Uh
0: so she went
2: down to the kitchen grabbed the knife Uh uh-huh hopefully was walking with the knife down and then just Uh made her way. Oh my wow. Yeah.
1: And we were like, we were anyway, it was like, uh, it's crazy, but she's, uh, she's amazing. She's turned into a functional adult, but yeah, man, parenting is, is a trip. It's a, it's a, Mm it's a road.
2: Which, and, and let me ask you guys. Okay. So just a little recap on me. So Riley is my fiance. Okay. Okay. Um, and we did things backwards. You know, yeah, or just not, unconventional, if you will. It's not unconventional uh, anymore,
1: though. That's the thing that I think is really interesting. Like, but I know what you mean. It, but there's, yeah. There's a show but called I, Modern Family got, for a reason, right? Like, right. Anyway, go ahead. But
2: yeah. I, I mean, I, I got sort of reamed, in, not reamed a new one, but you know, I think a lot of people looked at me like, okay, oh, mm-hmm. you know, she. She got knocked up, you know, mm-hmm. and like, so so I he proposed to me at the gender reveal, you know, so it's like <gasps> sweet. things you don't really see normally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But my argument is that, and you guys can tell me if I'm totally wrong, but I feel like we've gotten through so many hardships and like the hardest part. Right. Uh, that now walking down the aisle, if, when, when, and if we ever do that, um, I feel like I I know that you are now my person mm. because we have gone through the hard things right. and I'm still choosing you. Because mm-hmm. I think that sometimes, you know, when you go into a marriage sort of blindly, right? Um, or at least you think you know the person, but you haven't had kids with them. You mm-hmm. haven't maybe you know, bought a house together, like done like the really hard things. Yeah. Um, and you're sort of just hopeful walking down the aisle. And I feel like Hey, maybe this is, maybe this should be the new norm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've gone through all the hard stuff and I still want to marry you. Yeah. At least I want to tell myself that.
0: Yeah. I so, okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm tracking. You did a gender reveal and, and he proposed and you have a three-year-old now. So now you're about three and a half years since he proposed right around there.
2: Yep, exactly. So we've been together for five, okay. and then yeah, about three years, three and a half years exactly of, okay. of engagement, and then you know we want to get married. We talk about it, mm-hmm. but we're sort of not in a rush to you know run walk down the aisle. Yeah, I was to run down the aisle because um, <laughs> we're thinking about having another baby, and I mm-hmm. honestly don't want to be pregnant walking down mm-hmm. the aisle. So for us, it's like a you know it'll happen. We're we're ready for it when it happens. We're already pretty much playing house. Yeah, you know? we we do everything together. We, we already call each other husband and wife, you know, mm-hmm. and so um,
0: for us, it's, it's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, is that I have another follow up question? This is the therapist yeah, in because I'm kind of just getting yep. really curious. What would be what would be different? Or what would you think differently? Or how would you feel different if you had the ring on your finger? And you had the marriage document signed? Like, what would be different if you were actually married?
2: I don't know. And and that's where I feel like I think it's like the outside pressures of people like, when are you going to get married? Yeah. When are you going to get married? Um, but I also, and this probably goes back to like I had, oh my gosh, my grand, you guys ready for this? My grandmother. Um, so she was abducted by her husband when she was, I want to say like 12 Okay. She had polio in her legs and she would sit by the window and my grandfather would like walk by her house every day and really like they started to have this like weird relationship through the window. I don't know. Um, And then one day he was leaving back to his little Pueblo because he lived in Mexico Uh and he was like, here, just, you know, walk me to the bus, to the bus. And so he sort of like helped her walk to the bus and snatched her in the bus and Literally, there was, like, newspaper articles about, you know, missing young girl. Like, he just straight snatched her, okay? Oh. So, and he's Jewish. She's Catholic. Okay. So the whole ride to his little pueblo, he's like, you know, I love you, and we're going to come back, and I have a wedding dress waiting for you there and everyone is excited to meet you and we're going to get married and promise her this like big wedding this is a netflix special right here oh um. my god it was so it's so <laughs> crazy so so they get there and all of his bro- he had like eight brothers and sisters you know typical and, and they all beat him up and they're like you brought another one home like <gasps> you know yeah grandpa like that. needless to say <laughs> Never had the white dress, the big wedding, never had that. Mm-hmm. And they had a really tumultuous relationship. You know, he would, you know, beat her up and they, but, but yet they were like each other's like love of their lives, mm-hmm. um, but never had the wedding. Kay. So before she died, she said that she wanted to be buried in a white wedding dress. So my, so I don't know why I'm laughing now. But my mom and my sister go to David's bridal. So she passed away. Okay. So my, my mom and my sister go to David's bridal, and they're looking for dresses. And and the lady's like, oh, you know, like when's the wedding? And my mom and my sister start bawling, and they're like, she's dead. And the lady was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Take the never dress heard of anything like free. that. Yeah, exactly. Oh My gosh. So um, so. So I, I feel like there's a lot of those stories in my family of the women never getting married, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, "Oh, that's
1: what we're talking about." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I had to I'm br- like, bring I'm it like subscribing to <laughs> Netflix.
1: I'm like, wait a second, where do I find <laughs> the rest of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I know. So, so, and so, I have an aunt that never got married, um, and and all the the women on this side had really bad luck in marriage, okay, uh, or or like relationships, mm-hmm. not just marriage, obviously, so- um. And so my mom is always like, well, you know, your aunt never got married and look at her now and look at so-and-so. I mean, granted, my, my mom also got a divorce and whatnot, but she feels like there's, there's something to that, that you're going to miss sort of at the end of your life that you didn't get to experience that with someone that you loved. And so I think she's constantly in my ear. Mm. Mm. And not that again, not that I don't want to walk down the aisle. I do want to have that moment. But, you know, going back to your question, will it change anything? I don't really, I don't know if it will. I I mean, I kind of hope that Mm -hmm. it will Mm because I feel like I lost that whole, oh, we're fiance and oh, we're, and doing things sort of the proper way. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I think you get to experience and enjoy certain moments. Yeah. So I feel like I lost a little bit of that. So I would like to have that moment of, you know, being able to say, okay, we are united and having maybe, you right. know, my daughter and a possible second there at the wedding and experiencing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I went through ten different stories <laughs> yeah, there. I love This it. really is like therapy. Uh-huh. But yeah, so so a part of me, yes, would like to have that so that I don't know. Maybe I can debunk and and like not have what happened
0: to the rest of the mm-hmm. women in the family. Sort of yeah, re, um, like kind of
1: recreate the narrative or re mm-hmm. totally yeah.
0: reestablish the legacy because there's sort of this yeah. legacy, this trend that you are subscribing to. But what Zach, what you're saying is rewrite your story make make yes. something fresh and new for your daughter and for your future number two at some point are you pregnant right now
2: I'm not okay. and I, I've been trying for like a year and a half and I can't get pregnant so that's also part of like the like I don't want to start planning a wedding mm-hmm. if I'm going to be pregnant mm-hmm. and so this this whole lull of like trying to have a baby yeah. um has sort of put like a weight on on the whole thing mm-hmm. and I'm just sort of pushing it Okay. Further and further Laura, away. You're, yeah. you're
1: actually the person who taught me that you're not supposed to ask people if they're pregnant.
0: <laughs> well, it's a part of the podcast. I mean, it's like, Natalie's mm, already yeah. shared, like, her number two is going to be at the wedding. I know I like, what wedding. did you like, just
1: do? You just like... I know. Like, I'm trying
0: to manifest number two, <laughs> <yeah>. you know? <laughs> well, yeah.
1: here's the thing about... Here, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'll be 50 this year. Rebecca and I, we just had our 25th anniversary. Um, Congratulations. and So, you know, we were children when we got married. We were 23, mm-hmm. 24. And at that point, that was how you became a grown up. Like when you, you were like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a child and how, how do I do, what's next? Well, you get married. And then the next thing you do is you have a baby and then you buy a house or whatever. And that's not, that's just not the way it is anymore. Now it Mm-mm. seems like people sort of become grown ups.
0: They buy houses mm-hmm. together. And
1: they buy houses mm-hmm. and they start their families and then they go, hey, maybe the way we can signal this to the world is say, and now we're going to be married and now we're going to make it official and... You know, I, I think that there's, I don't think that there's any sort of correct or or right trajectory. It has changed a lot, at least in my culture in the last 25 years, but, um, but yeah, I don't think it's, uh, I don't, I think, I think long-term committed relationships are long-term committed relationships and some of them are marriages and some of them are engagements and some of them are abductions and that is just kind of the way it goes (laughs) i
0: can't even handle that story i really do think have you have you not like there's not like a screenplay or something that's based off of (laughs) no there really
2: isn't but (sighs) although uh, there is well my mom um she's my mom's a hoot you guys would love her but she uh this the ex-ceo of coca-cola who now she's doing a foundation with Mm -hmm. um wants to do a whole story on on her life because she really does have a fascinating life. Cool. Um, and that would include yeah, her mother mm-hmm. and father and, and and everything that she went through as a child and how you know how she's come so far and, and whatnot. but um, yeah, it's crazy. wow, it's absolutely crazy. because what, what do you guys think about like, you know, like the Kardashian curse. Mm. Have you guys heard of the Kardashian curse? No, but it doesn't seem like there's much positive going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it apparently dates back to like their grandparents and whatnot, but the females have had um well, it's the men in the in their in the females' lives that apparently it always goes south for them. Okay. And they can never be successful and and so and, and it's sort of it came out, I think, in one of the shows and one of the episodes that, you know, there really is a Kardashian curse because none of the women ever end up in successful relationships or the, you know, the boyfriends, the husbands always end up going south. Um, they end in up being their, Lamar you know, Odom business. or
1: Kanye West or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah
2: exactly. Um, do you guys even believe in anything like that? Or do you think it just happens to be that there maybe are more powerful women? And uh, who, like, what, what do you guys think about that?
0: Well, I mean, my brain goes immediately to the dynamic, like you have a system that is put in place of all these really strong women that are feeding off of each other, and it just continues to lift them up. So it makes a lot of sense. I mean, as far as like, is it a curse? Is it nurture, where in that household, they're all kind of feeding off of this dynamic? And then also, they're pickers, like, how are their pickers when they're yeah. picking their partners? Yeah. Like maybe their pickers are broken. Um, Right. So uh, as far as there being a curse, I mean, I don't believe in curses, but I certainly think that there is a really strong dynamic that you see playing out with all of those women. And boy, would it be really – I mean, it would be really fascinating to be in a relationship with a Kardashian. Really interesting. It's
2: funny because I feel like – I mean, you know, but the men are are becoming very successful in their own right. I mean, Mm -hmm. whether or not – they succeed in what they want to do i mean they have now more i mean look at pete davidson Mm -hmm. right blew up after he was with kim right even more you know even more than he did so whether or not that's that's a curse yeah
1: i think i think there's i've Mm -hmm. done a a little bit of work with clients like that who are in kind of the the super duper high profile world i think they just Mm -hmm. live in a really really different ecosystem so when we start to talk about relationship reality it's really challenging because it's, they're not really in relationship. They're in, they're in public the bubble, you know, they're in right. this bubble and that, and so, no, I don't believe in curses, but I do think that there's a thing that gets created um, both in the bubble. And I think also in like normal people's lives that we do kind of carry the legacy of our, of our families until somebody decides to, to break them basically. Mm. Um <clears throat> mm-hmm.
0: You You know, it's kind of this whole notion
1: like you marry your mom or you marry your dad or Uh like there's the sins of the father. I think all of that stuff does have a basis in actual sort of psychological trickle down through relational reality. Um, But to have a conversation about the Kardashians, for example, um, it's almost like you have to sort of take it out of standard relationship conversation and put it within the context of actually, no, all of this is being done within a context that none of us have any – Understand. Any understanding yep. of at all you know um so it's hard to even understand how much of those in that particular case how many of those relationships are in fact relationships and versus like just business arrangements like mm. i'm gonna do a nine mm-hmm. month stint here to accomplish this right. goal duh, 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 and, and so relationship isn't a part of it at all um mm-hmm. which is i know it's messed up but but i don't mind saying this i say it every single time laura
0: i know zach uh has never heard Kim Kardashian's voice. And that is something that he, so when you started talking about the Kardashians, I was like, "Uh, let me take this one, Zach. Three, two,
1: one. No, it's a piece of trivia about me. I've never once heard Kim Kardashian's voice, although I'm getting anxious. Do you
0: want to hear her voice? No, I mean, I don't, I don't,
1: I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other. I just have noticed that it's never happened except now when you go on uh, Hulu they're like advertising the show
0: and it just, and I'm terrified. Comes up. I'm
1: like, mute, mute, mute.
2: Because
1: no, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I, 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 it used to be Brene. It, it is
2: a very sweet, sensual. It used to be Kim Kardashian
1: has. and Brene Brown. And then uh, Brene Brown like snuck up on me one time and I was like, gosh. So it. now it's just Kim.
0: Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Laura, what were you going to say about the documentary? Oh, I was just thinking about Prince Henry. Henry? My Harry. F- Harry, oh my gosh, Harry! Harry. Yeah. the The documentary. Uh, either of you watched it on Netflix? Mm-hmm. I. You were talking about the bubble, but they were so intentional about. Being able to create their own bubble and date each other before they went out into the outside world, before everybody else had an influence on their relationship. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that was really lovely. I mean, you're just talking about my my partner and I have done things backward, and I'm thinking about them doing things so intentional so that they have a chance to actually connect before they have the stressors of the outside influence on their relationship. But, yeah. Do you think that they're the real deal? Because I feel like they are. Mm-hmm, I do. I really do. do. They've, yeah, they've done a lot so of really hard things together, just kind of like what you were talking about is we did a lot of really hard things together from the get-go, whereas a lot of relationships have that ramp up. They're able to build their friendship and kind of deepen their intimacy over time, and slowly you introduce – these things that make your relationship vulnerable. But if you're getting pregnant and you're having to introduce that to your network and you're going through and trying to figure out how do we do life with this like little baby, it speeds things up and you're overcoming those hurdles yeah. a lot quicker. Um, I, I really do think they're the real deal and I would love to read his book that just came out. It's all of all the rage with the Peloton moms right now. Oh yeah. I, I've been hearing snippets. Yeah. Yeah? I, don't,
1: I don't know anything about Harry and Megan apart from what I can kind of glance on the periphery. I barely Mm. watch the crown, but, but one thing that we, Laura and I just were talking, we were recording before we talked to you and we're talking about how couples can or should, or need to make a transition. And part of what I would argue a lot, particularly if they come into therapy is you got to put a stake in the ground. You got to put a stake in the ground and say, from this point on, we are, we're doing this. Like we've done A, we've done B, we've done C. Now this is D. And That Mm -hmm. seems like something they have done very deliberately, right? I mean, they literally left behind, particularly for him, an entire identity culture in order to say, "Nope, my relationship is the thing." So Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're the real deal or not, but I do know that it came at it that for them to become Harry and Meghan, it became it came at a very very high cost, um, yeah. Which looked like them saying, "Nope," stake in the ground, Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and so good for them. I mean, if that if that's I mean, sure that sounds i mean i can imagine they're doing a lot of things right
0: yeah
2: yeah i think he also doesn't want to see you know history repeating itself mm-hmm. right with all the press and, and and everything and and now he has kids so that's another reason why he's going to be you know, sort of like a papa bear and mm-hmm. and want to protect his family and i i don't see that relationship like him ever resenting her for you know, leaving the family the way that he did. Yeah. I feel like he's definitely made the choices on his mm-hmm. own, Yeah, which I think resentment, that's a question I want to ask you guys. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you get over it, whether it's, you know, Prince Harry or just regular Joe Schmo, like how do you move past any sort of resentment in a relationship? Mm. Mm.
1: Can I have this one?
0: Yes. Are you going to talk about the Zygarnik effect? I would no. love for you to talk about that.
1: I will, but I wasn't Eventually. going to. Okay. Um, <laughs>
0: Okay. We'll, we'll get that to then after that after that. Oh.
1: Um, I, I, uh, I have come to understand resentment a lot lately. I got sober about two and a half years ago. And when you do that, particularly through AA, you have this kind of revisiting your, re- your own relationship with resentment and, you know, cause alcohol is its own thing or whatever, but like at the core of it, something's going on and, uh, and if you really dive into the sort of the recovery thing, you have to face this notion of resentment. And I, and I love talking about it because for me, the biggest part of coming to understand that process was grappling with exactly that. And I think to answer your question very specifically, if you are a person who has resentment, you absolutely must take responsibility for that yourself. Like mm-hmm. it just has to be something mm-hmm. that you decide, I'm going to decide that I... I have responsibility here. So even if it's people who have mm-hmm. harmed you, to be able to say, I know that I was part of the setup. I know that my personality contributed to this. I know that I may have made choices that made it easy for you to harm me. Not to say you're off the hook, but to take responsibility and kind of seize the power for yourself so that you're not dependent on the other person needing to apologize or change right. their behavior or course correct yep. on your behalf. Like you just can't rely on other people to do that. And so mm-hmm. if you're a person who's very comfortable with resentment, then my easy go-to answer, particularly over the last you know few years, has been you gotta turn, turn turn it inside, turn look inside and go, what what's my part of this? Um, mm-hmm. it's just the most liberating it's just the most liberating approach um, because otherwise you have to do all this other work, which to Laura's point about the Zygarnik effect includes this participation effort. Um, right. And right. you just can't, I don't know, man, you just, if you're not willing to show up like kind of open to the possibility that repair is there, then mm-hmm. I don't know how you can expect it to to happen.
0: Mm. That's a really good point that you're talking about, because if you're holding resentment for someone that is no longer here, right? Like you're holding resentment for a father who's passed away and you're carrying that baggage with you. There's no participation that you can have or expect with that person to be able to free yourself from that resentment that you have. And even if the responsibility taking that you're taking, Zach, is um, let's say you have resentment for you know, childhood wounds that happened when you were a child, right? right? Like abuse or, Mm -hmm. or an emotional, physical, or neglect. What is the responsibility taking that you need to have in order to purge yourself of that resentment that is weighing you down? It's kind of a hard question to take, which means that sometimes the responsibility that you're taking for yourself might be, I was a child. And I carried that pain and having some grace for yourself and doing some of that childhood wound work. So
2: does that, does that mean that you're forgiving that person? You're forgiving yourself? I mean, is there forgiveness here or is it more just of a, like, what, what is that? Like dive a little deeper. Yeah.
0: I think that it's a lot of forgiveness for yourself. And Mm -hmm. when you're able to have grace for yourself, have some compassion, hold yourself, um, So let me back up just a little bit. What Zach was talking about with the Zygarnik effect is if you have a partner that is still present, maybe it's I have resentment with my lover or Natalie, you have resentment for your partner and you want to talk about it. The Zygarnik effect is being able to go back and say, I really need to share what's going on for me with you. And I need you to be present for my pain and hear what my experience was. And when your partner is able to hear your pain and show up with for you, hear it, validate it, show some compassion, it allows you to go through and actually kind of release that so that you don't continue to trip on it over and over and over. That's what resentment ends up being is I'm carrying Mm -hmm. it and I'm holding it. And so it just releases it, but that's only if you have a partner that's willing to show up for you in that way. Um, and so you're hoping that they have compassion for you. Now, if that partner isn't there, it's your dad who's passed on, or it's someone you'll never ever speak to that's harmed you in some way. Then I think the compassion needs to come from within, and that can help to release that resentment for the other person because you're holding yourself with compassion and empathy. Right.
1: I think it's really really hard to put this in a super simple form, um, but there's a big difference. There's a, there's a discernible difference between feeling resentment and feeling pain. And when I'm what I was talking about before is that resentment is a piece of like it's kind of that thing about like. Resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's sort of Mm -hmm. like that notion. And that's the part I'm talking about is don't drink the poison. Don't feed the resentment piece. That doesn't Mm. mean don't address the pain or don't grapple with the trauma or don't dive into forgiveness. Like Those are different parts because your dead father who wounded you, you can resent him all day long until you decide that, no, I'm actually going to release that part. But then Mm -hmm. you can go, but man, I have real – real trauma that is affecting my real relationships right now in real time. And that needs attention and energy. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Um, Mm. So that's the part that I think is, again, it's not, it's hard to put that in like a super simple way, but I would never want to say to somebody, Hey, just get over it. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, don't give your, don't give yourself the disadvantage of resentment. Um, while dealing with the thing that is really important, which is I'm trying to be a better husband, father, person, employee, friend. Mm. And this thing that I have with my dad is in the way. So now what do I do? You know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So powerful. Because I think a lot of people do struggle with that. And I think that it does end up affecting their relationships and it can cause so so much sort of distress in a relationship. And until you get sort of to the root of it and- like you said go and do all the things that you guys are saying. I think um I just I just think it's so important for people to really hear that. Mm-hmm. So It's a brand new year and every plate is here to help you achieve all of your resolutions. Every plate helps you save money with delicious, affordable recipes delivered to your door. Plus, if you're looking to cook more, every plate helps you expand your cooking skills with easy-to-follow recipes that you can help whip up in just six simple steps. It's gonna be a great year with every plate saving money is, I think, on top of everyone's mind right now. And every plate is actually 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Can you believe that? This means that you can put the money you save on groceries towards new, fun resolutions. Plus, they have the newest meal preference, which is called Nutrish and Delish, featuring around 650 calories or less Each wholesome, satisfying dish um, helps you stay on track with your goals without all the guesswork. And you can leave the calorie counting to us and dig into delicious lettuce wraps, rice bowls, and more. And let me tell you, I have done this. I've done it with Piper sitting on the counter, helping me chop up some veggies and do all the things. But the Nutrition Delish is my favorite. It's all so good. It's helping me stay on track. It's helping me keep everyone else in my family on track, and I'm telling you, it's fast and easy. Um, get a dollar thirty nine per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering the code humble one three nine. So get started with every plate for just a dollar thirty nine per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering the code humble139. That's up to hundred and thirty four dollar value. You're welcome. Okay, I have a lot of questions from Instagram. <laughs> okay. We can sort of rapid fire this. You guys can take one um, each. Here, here we go. Well, let me see. I'm like ready to bid.
0: Yeah. Paddle up. I want um, that one. <laughs> the what? I'm ready to bid on which one I want first.
2: Yeah, exactly. Okay, here we go. Okay, when is it time to walk away? And how do you know that it's over? These are two different people, but sort of the same question.
1: Well, mm. walk away from an argument? Or walk away from the relationship. How
2: do you how do you know when it's over? Let's just say that. Okay.
1: Mm. There's <laughs> a clinical answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. The clinical answer is when <laughs> the when the friendship system is broken and mm-hmm. and dead basically. Ooh. Um, that's mm-hmm. when you walk away. Um, and there are th- because the friendship is at the bottom of any healthy relationship. It is the basis. Um, the foundation. And so when that yeah. is broken then, and that includes things like trust and commitment and, um, and it's, and you can measure that clinically. There's a, there's an instrument mm-hmm. that we can kind of go, Hey, you scored a six out of 10 or whatever. And, um, but that also, most people aren't operating clinically. They're operating on their kind of their gut and their feel and their right. sense of what's going on. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I think when the it, the my my clinical baseline answer is uh, as around the quality of the friendship and whether or not that is uh, has any like heartbeat left.
2: Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um okay, what to do when you are no longer physically attracted to your significant other? Uh,
0: okay. I'll
1: let the sex therapist take that one.
0: <laughs> I mean, we Let's get a lot it. of a lot of that. A lot of partners stop being physically attracted to one another, and it's just this evolution that has occurred. I mean, our bodies change; we physically change. We lose our hair. We put on fifty pounds. A lot happens, um, yeah. and so. What I think is that we have to be very intentional about mentally rehearsing the qualities that we love and adore about our partner so that we are in a place of adoration and appreciation for things that go beyond just the physical attributes. Um, Another thing that I think about, too, is being really aware of the images that you're choosing to look at. So Mm. uh, just as an example, you know, I might have a partner who is 280 pounds, five foot eight. And yet, the images that I choose to elicit energy and excitement and that I really focus on might be six foot three, 180 pounds. And so I'm focused on that, but my partner looks like this. And I think that if you can find a way to meld the two of those and find ways to adore other things about your partner's characteristics physically, you might have a helpful way of sort of eliciting a little bit more. I don't know, joy, excitement, attraction. I don't know if that makes sense. And what sense. happens
2: though if like if, you know, at the beginning of the relationship you guys were both working out and you guys were, yeah. you know, had the same interests and in, in eating healthy and all of a sudden, right. you know, as t- people change and, and, and things change and all of a sudden now maybe one isn't so active and right. one doesn't like doing those things. I mean, is is there any hope there? If it's like, wait, we used to love doing these things together. Now mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. Like we have nothing in common. I think yeah. there's always I mean, hope. Is,
1: like there's because yeah? the, the, what Laura said there, what she started with, and it, she, you sort of tucked it in there. But it's here's mm-hmm. the thing: it's gonna happen.
0: Right. You're right. gonna
1: become less attracted to your partner. Yeah. Um, that's or your partner is gonna become oh, less attractive. I and it just is. <laughs> it's
0: it's gonna happen attracted. because you, you signed
1: up for X, and then time yeah. happened.
0: That's right. And yeah.
1: And so X became X by 10% or X by 20% or X by 30 or whatever. Right. Or you had a car accident or you had a baby or you had, uh, or you felt like you got injured and you couldn't go back to the gym. Like or your partner
0: didn't change at all, but your attraction to something else evolved and changed. I get people that say I was never attracted to women and now I'm in a relationship with a man and I'm deeply attracted to women. What do I do now? Yeah. Like you change. And so Mm -hmm. both of you are always evolving and changing.
1: So I think that I think, not to, not at, I mean, I think the question is flawed. What happens if you become less <laughs> physically attracted to your it's partner? When, go, uh, when it's when like, you become. You know, when, like, right. um well, then you have to find other, like, locus of attraction. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. in who you are, not what you execute toward me with my eyeballs.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. When I met my fiance, I was not attracted to him at all in the beginning. Mm. That's hot. And... Uh, Yeah, and so (laughs) I was in another relationship, and my boss was like, "You got to meet him," and I was like, "I don't know. He's just not really my type." And Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, I broke up with with my boyfriend, and I was like, "Okay, fine. I'll you know I'll go on a date," and even the date was like, I don't know. He was like a little awkward to talk to, and he's a genius in his and in in his specialty, and so it makes him a little awkward and socially awkward. So I was like, (laughs) I really just don't you're really making sound you the bus and took
1: you back home to his brothers yes, and was like <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> and, exactly so so I and and it really took me time to fall for him mm-hmm. and so I eventually felt so you know head over heels with like his heart and I love that for you, you know his 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 mind mm-hmm. and his intellect and I was like this is exactly what I've wanted right and, and it's funny because you know, you know, the whole manifesting thing and what you want and you gotta put it out there. I never once wrote what I wanted him to look like. Mm. I never I never even said I wanted him to be funny, which he's really not funny at all. I, mm. I just I really wanted him to be just like, you know, loyal and smart <coughs> and I wanted to have intellectual conversations mm-hmm. and um and just be like soulfully connected. And and we are, but I think to this person's point, like and to your guys' point, I grew to fall in love with him and his heart right. and his mind. Yeah. And everything and then I found him more attractive. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I was like, okay, great. I could I, I could I could do this, you mm-hmm. know um and and now I feel like I'm more attracted to him now than ever. And I feel like men also age better than women, so there's yes, that. he's yes, also you do,
0: you know. Look, <laughs> I, there's an interesting thing, too, that happens with hormones over time where people feel very sexually drawn toward one another, and that's just something that happens within sort of this limerence phase of, I want to be with you, I want to collaborate my body with your body. I want to make babies with you. And there's a lot happening that doesn't happen later on in relationships. And it feels like we've lost attraction to our partner when we just don't have the same dosage of these chemicals and hormones going through our body. But um, I, I think what you said is, Zach, the same thing is, find things that you adore about your partner that is a part of who they are as a human being that is likely unchanging. Um, and while both of your features are going to change, your bodies are going to change. I think it's okay to just sort of be like, that kind of is a bummer. I mean, there are things that I I wish that you were a six foot five lumberjack, but you're not. You're, right. you know, a desk jockey and that's just fine.
2: So this sort of leads me to the next one. It's what do you do? Um, what to do when in the biggest sexy time slump and feel like you can't get out of it? So, yeah, I think just like the sex question mm-hmm. of when one wants it more than the other or maybe you guys both don't want it. How do you get over that? I mean, is there actually – is there things that you can take? I mean, are there <laughs> supplements? Are there like – is there a magic pill?
0: Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not Viagra. Do you want me to take that one, Zach?
1: Uh, Sure. Yeah. I mean, we uh, – the only thing I would say is – um, we more Lauren, if you haven't made this clear yet, Lauren and I have a podcast. It's called Marriage Therapy Radio. And we did – Good plug. Um, good plug. <clears throat> well, we just finished January. We did – three interviews with people who are answering this question on a daily basis. Like, Mm -hmm. so there's that. So like, go listen to those. But also like, Laura is super duper smart and um, has got a lot of insight into this space. Let me just say this way. I'm certainly not trying to plug, but I learned so much about this in the last Mm -hmm. month Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that's where, like, I almost don't have an answer because I need to go back and kind of go, wait, what did they say? And how did that work? And what is it? You know, so, but Laura, go for it.
0: Okay. So what you just asked is there, is there a pill? Is there something that we can do? Because when you're in a slump, often most people think we need the accelerator. We need to put some gas on this, light it on fire. We need to find a way to just sort of like get kinky get the red room, get all the candles, all of that. So I want you to imagine that you have like this dual control model. So you have a gas pedal and you have a brake pedal. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a slump, most couples think about how can I just step on the gas and get us together so we can have sex again. But instead, I want for you to think about what are all the things that are – Reinforcing your foot on the brake. So, there's a ton of things that actually reduce the amount of just what you would feel sexy. And it can be stress. It can be the kids on the other side of the wall. It could be the fact that, like, you put on 10 pounds and you don't feel sexy. It's all the things that are the brake pedals. And if you can think about a car, if one of you has your foot on a brake pedal, it doesn't matter how much you put your foot on the gas, you're not going anywhere. So instead, think about what are all the things that have been reinforcing the brake pedal in our relationship? It could be relational issues. It could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. A lot of things that are reinforcing the brake pedal. So take your foot off the brake pedal and things will flow naturally.
2: Interesting. Yeah. So you really have to do the work. Yeah,
1: like (laughs) sex does not happen. Just
2: everything in life. I felt empathy
1: for the question because I was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if there was just like a pill that fixed all this?" But it is relational work. Like Mm -hmm. that's just kind of the deal.
2: Yeah. So scientifically, it's not like I mean, for women, can it be that you have like very low or like testosterone for men, right? They have really like like a low sex drive, Mm -hmm. so they're working out, they're eating health, they're doing all the things, but they have, you know a low sex drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that something that you have to go to the doctor for, or is that still something that you have to like maybe lower your stress? And, and maybe oh, both. Yeah. what do you do? Maybe yeah. both.
1: I mean, there are, if there are in fact biological factors that are right. a part of this whole bit. Um, but yeah. most of the work that Laura and I do is about cracking the relational piece of it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which is a yeah. small piece of the puzzle. I have a lot of first responders Mm -hmm. where you know the wives are like, I've done everything. I'm so sexy. I wear the underwear and I watch porn with my husband Mm -hmm. and all of this, and he doesn't want me. It's like, well, your husband just came off of a shift where his cortisol levels were through the roof, which reduces his T levels, and all he wants to do is come home and sleep. And you're trying to like, why don't you want me? So yeah, and by the way, he might have just seen some
1: people die.
0: Yes, Yes. right. So
1: it's context, right? It's all context dependent. That is,
0: yes, absolutely. And I
2: will say, because for me, it was, we have that here. He's an executive chef, Mm -hmm. um, partner, you know, he develops hotels and whatnot. So he's always on his feet. Right. He's always dealing with people. High stress. Very high stress. But then a part of me, and this is like where, you know, once you're together, he's like, I'm just tired or I'm, you know, I I had a stressful day. But it's like when you're dating – what like what's the difference? Because when you're dating, they they're hot and heavy all the time because it's still new, it's exciting. Yeah, and they know and it's coming. They still did the same sixteen hour shift, and then you know they, you go on a, on a date and you're it's exciting. So mm. it's like I think for sometimes you revert back to like, well,
0: you weren't doing that when we were dating. Yeah. Why are you doing that now? Mm-hmm. Because is it just like the comfort level? And it's like no, because you knew that you were going to have a date. Like he went to work. Friday morning thinking, I'm going to have a date with Natalie tonight. And he, both of you are, we're going to have a date. We're going to have a date. So all day, whether you're consciously thinking it or not, you're mentally preparing and rehearsing and getting yourself ready because you know that you guys are going to see each other. You're going to have sex, whatever it might be. You turn the crock pot on. I love that. That's like, he's a chef. And so you turn the crock pot on
1: all the time, all the time, (laughs) all
0: the time. Yeah. You know, Yeah, (laughs) go to. But when you're Um, married, you just come home and you're just like you roll over and you're yeah. Is this happening? Yeah, that's that's the lead up. You had 30 seconds of your partner initiating sex and you're like, I don't, I haven't honestly haven't even thought about it for the last six weeks. I have no idea. (laughs)
2: Right. Yeah. So I wonder if when you're married, that that's when they say like you know still go on dates and whatnot. Maybe it's just it's planning those dates and planning those yeah. Those spontaneous moments of like, hey, let's get together for a drink. The other thing I would say too,
1: and this is like, you can trim this if you want. Of course you can. But like (laughs) sex is a really weird thing because we have to figure out like, what is it for? Like when you're first getting to know somebody, sex is for fun. It's for recreation and exercise. Then you're together and you're doing the stuff and you like, then you're like, let's have a baby and sex is for this other thing. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you know who sex is really hard for. It's people who are trying to get pregnant and can't. And so they're like, yeah, let's, it's, I'm ovulating. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, let's do this. And so sex is no longer recreational or enjoyable. It's actually like, it's actually like a task. Mm, And so mm -hmm. what happens is sex, sex itself changes. And we have to be on the same page about what is this for? Um, Mm -hmm. And is it for fun? Is it for connection? Is it for pleasure? Is it for her pleasure? Is it for his pleasure? Is it for ours? Is it, like that's a conversation that needs to happen in part because if it doesn't happen and you're just like kind of banking on well why isn't it the way it used to be? Well, the reason it's mm-hmm. not the way it used to be is because the context has changed, you know, and so right. it's becoming a it's a different thing, and so let's make sure we steward that thing uh, in a way that's important to both of us.
2: Do men? Normally you're, you're definitely not a, like th- the norm, but like, do men want to have those conversations or are they going to look at you like, Oh God, here she goes, wants, to, you know, wants to talk or wants to communicate. Like, why are we talking about
0: sex? Let's just have sex. I, I would put it this way. Or what's there to talk the, about? Like mm-hmm.
1: I, I would say they do, they just don't know that they do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like,
0: if, if the end result was that you were going to have more better sex, um, then I think everybody would talk about it if the end result was having the conversation.
1: And so maybe the first hurdle is, is reminding them or helping them understand that they do actually want to have this conversation because Mm -hmm. not having it certainly. And listen, these days, like men, what is that women? What is that? Like that's so hard to kind of put in a, because I know, I know plenty of men who have, Uh, lower libido than their women, than their wives or whatever. Mm -hmm. And of course there's Mm -hmm. same sex and all this other, and the way we could go on that forever. So I don't want to give an answer that's like, yeah, men are like this. But I think people, people need help understanding that the way to get what they want is to articulate what they want and to, and to have a give and take around that thing so that they can negotiate terms.
2: Right. Okay. And let's wrap it with this. Okay. Okay, So if you guys, uh, typical question is what makes a successful marriage mm. in in a very short answer what to you individually you guys can answer separately but like what to you if there's you know anything you would tell your younger self your kids what makes a successful marriage okay
0: i have mine
1: um okay i mean okay. go for it i, I think we All have right. probably uh, i think we probably very have very similar. similar answers yeah
0: yeah so zach and i were both trained similarly, um, through the Gottman Institute. And so we kind of have it indoctrinated in, but you said, what do you think? And something that I have been really focused on, um, which is a bit of a principle that we find in research is that a successful marriage is when you can lay your head down on your pillow every single night. And you can ask your partner, did you do everything today that you wanted to, to do to accomplish what you're here to do on this planet? Basically like your life mm-hmm. vision, your life purpose. And if I can, as my husband's wife say, I did everything I could to support your vision, like your goal of what it means to be um, a person then I think I've done everything that I can because I, I want to be in partnership with someone who is so conscious of my own, purpose goal on this planet that they are also helping me to achieve my own dreams. And I'm achieving, helping them to achieve their dreams. That's what I think a successful partnership is on that deeper level. I love that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I love that. Um, and I would say that's part three of, of what makes a sexual marriage. And the first one we've already talked about today, which is that you like ha- the successful partners are proactive about nurturing the friendship. They are, mm-hmm they are interested in and they remain <clears throat> committed to like the fundamental regard and respect that just is at the core of any healthy relationship. Then the other one that's kind of important to, to and we could h- do a whole other episode on this is mm-hmm. um, it's, it's are they successful at managing difference? And some people want to say mm-hmm. uh, managing conflict, but it's really difference. Like not all difference mm-hmm. is conflict, but couples that are successful right. are really good at navigating Difference, And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's as different as, do you want, do you want to have, you know, chicken or fish tonight? And sometimes it's as significant as, do you want another baby or not? Do you, do you want to be monogamous or not? Do you want to live in California Mm -hmm. or Texas? Like Mm -hmm. those things can be, but so couples that are successful, they're really, they have a really strong friendship. They're good at managing conflict or difference. And they, they are participants in one another's dream uh, as they try to kind of move through life together.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so good! <laughs> it's just so, and it and it's funny because it's so simple. It is right. You think it's so simple, but then when you're actually in the day to day minutia of life, mm-hmm. it's it, it feels harder, right? But it it's when you step back, it's like, yeah, that that makes so much sense. Yeah.
1: Have you ever been at that? Um, have you been at a wedding and the people are dancing? and They're like, okay, if you've been married less than five years, sit down. If you are yeah. married less than ten years, sit down. And and then there's mm-hmm. one couple left. And we all clap for them and we say, oh, gosh, you guys are so heroic. And then, but if you ask yep. them what, what, what do they do? They will talk to you about how they're each other's best friend and they let a lot of stuff slide mm-hmm. off their back yeah. and they mm-hmm. just kind of stayed, they've they stayed the course, you know? Mm mm-hmm. um, So that's, I mean, the proof's just kind of there at the wedding that you haven't had yet. But you should do that at your wedding and then ask them, you know, when you have it and (laughs) that'll.
2: Well, my grandmother couldn't tell her story at
0: my wedding. (laughs) Don't give Granny the mic.
1: Well, exactly,
2: (laughs) Grandma. I do have one last question. Do you Mm -hmm. think people can be alone?
0: Oh, alone, 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 alone. Yeah. 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 We find all sorts of ways to outsource our needs. And I think that there is a whole lot of ways to outsource what we would think we are going to get from an intimate relationship um, among a sea of people. And in fact, I think the healthiest relationships do outsource a lot of their needs to other people. It takes a try. You're talking
1: about people, like, can people be single and happy? Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah. Uh Like
2: single, yeah. Mm -hmm. Single alone and not have like that other person, just like, like on a, I don't know, like on, a, on an energy level, like on a, all of it. I mean,
1: I think functionally as people on the planet, Are we need to be in relationship be with, people. with people. But yeah. I don't think you yes. need a One. a single partner that you're right. going to like, that's going to like guarantee your happiness for the rest of your life mm-hmm. or something like um
0: well, if anything, we, we recognize we have a tendency toward being serial monogamous uh, the longer that we live. We notice that we kind of go through multiple relationships through time. Um, but monogamous, meaning one other partner we do have a tendency to do that but could we be happy and successful and thrive as individuals if we're by ourselves i absolutely think so yeah, i think 100%. as long as we have a pack we have people that we feel intimately connected to on this planet we can succeed hmm. i love that and right now my, did you guys hear miley cyrus's new song no flowers. i love
2: miley though so good <laughs> she basically is saying i can buy my own flowers." I can talk my I can talk to myself for hours mm-hmm. I can hold my own hand I can do all these things and it's a very much like I can do it by myself better than you can mm-hmm. like I can be w- with myself better than it the whole it the such a great song. Yeah. It's like been on repeat forever, but I was like, oh my God, I'm like screw you, Riley. I can be face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor <laughs> Riley. Um, I know. Thank you guys so much for being yeah, here. Course. I appreciate you guys so much. Yeah. Um, Please let everybody know where they can find you, where they can listen to your show, all the things.
0: Yeah. Um, so you can find uh, our website, marriage therapy, radio.com. That's where you'll find out about our upcoming workshop, where we talk all about those three dimensions that we were talking about, the friendship, managing conflict and life dreams. Um, and then Zach loves the Instagram. So if you want to, if you want to hang out with Graham. Zach on, on the gram, you can find marriage therapy radio there. I just um, want to blue us-
1: check. I'm just like, I, that's all I want. I got you I care. Tell me
0: about
1: it. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me about follow it. Follow us what on the Instagram. Do? It's at marriage therapy radio. Radio. yeah marriage therapy radio.com we do have a workshop coming in up up in march, march and, and then 4th. later in the mm-hmm. summer and fall yeah. and then we have we have episodes that drop every week and yeah. january was awesome we we had a lot of very cool conversations with people who um make me smarter so hopefully you, yeah. you get smarter oh. yeah
2: i love that all right everybody go check them out thank you guys so much and i hope you guys can come back and we can do a lot more of this anytime this year, yeah love to all right bye guys thank you Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope that you guys uh, gained some pearls there. I know I did Um, a few aha moments of like, right, yes. So simple, (laughs) so simple, Um, but yet so hard sometimes, right? But maybe we're just making it harder than than what it should be, Um, but definitely go check them out. I also want to mention that after we finished recording, uh, Zach and Laura wanted to offer my humble and hungry listeners, um, a discount for their spring workshop. Uh, so it is a, uh, the seven principles for making marriage work. Um, there is all this information. I'm going to post it on Instagram. If you're interested or DM me, uh, it is March 3rd and 4th, uh, but they are giving my listeners a discount, and it is code HAND H H A N D H. Um, that's exclusively for our listeners, and you're going to get a major discount. It's normally four fifty um and they're going to give it to us for 397 so make sure you guys go and um snag a spot there again i'm going to post it on instagram but if you guys want that link just dm me or if you want to reach out to them and let them know that you're a humble and hungry listener as well you guys can do that but go snag a spot i think it's so important it's so good um to just constantly learn and become better humans uh go follow them on instagram they're so great so thank you guys for coming on and thank you all at home for listening and remember five star reviews will always help me i click the little five star uh down in the apple box and um i will see you all next week thank you all so much uh remember stay humble and stay hungry